Good morning and happy Thursday. The Bears are coming off their first loss this past weekend to the Indianapolis Colts and sit at second in the NFC North. And we're going to break it down for you on Thursday, October 8th. Here we go. Nick Foles completed roughly 62% of his passes in the Bears' 19-11 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Bears are sitting at 3-1, second in NFC North, after the Packers' Monday night win over the Falcons. And we've got a break it down for you today. Drew, what would you see out there? Well, David, heading into this game, people had high expectations for this offense, but for most of the game, it fell flat. It reminded me a lot about that um, uh, Saints game last year where the Bears looked pretty lethargic for the entire game. Then by the end of the fourth quarter, the Saints had given up and basically the Bears racked up a ton of garbage yardage. And that's kind of the same pace that this game followed. You know, the Bears kind of get much going. They looked just sloppy at many different points in the game and then box two defense. And the Bears were able to take a lot of passes over the middle, made the stat sheet look a lot more favorable than the game actually went and then they lost <laughs> so that, that, that's that's where the bears sit now they're three and one coming off of a pretty pretty grueling loss in my opinion yeah yeah and the bears finished with 269 total yards and they had a high volume number of passes but what was really telling was the lack of the run game the bears only finished with i think it was like 13 runs now 13 runs but i think montgomery only had 27 yards on 10 carries. He was the leading rusher. So um, Bears did not move the ball very well on the ground, but were high-volume passing. Uh, Foles uh, was pretty ineffective in the first half. And um, what I have to ask is, was this based off of play calling by Nagy, or uh, was this based off of working through his progression and just settling for the short routes? Making their blocks. So you can't blame the tackles, guards, or center for most of these runs. I, I think that, you know, there's the little details that I think if you're going to criticize Matt Nagy right now, it has to be in that he's not managing his staff properly. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we'll talk about timeouts soon. The assistants not doing their job on game day. Um, but and the timeouts were completely mismanaged. And part of that comes down to it. I don't blame Matt Nagy. I don't blame the O-line. I blame partially the running back. But, you know, they're doing their best, I guess. Um, and the quarterback play was maybe marginally better than Mitch Trubisky. And I mean, Foles can't finish the day with 240 yards passing and one TD and an interception. Uh, Foles was pretty decisive with his throws. But he, I mean, like you said, he didn't do anything to really be above Mitch Trubisky for that matter. Um, and it makes me wonder, especially with some of the play calling, I know we don't want you don't like to get into that. Um, and Matt Nagy managing his staff. But do you think there's too much on his plate? Uh, last, he used to have Mark Helfrey, um, or excuse me, the old Oregon head coach who was the, was the offensive coordinator. And no one really knew what he did because Nagy is the play caller. He's known for that play calling sheet that has the BU moniker on it, which is his credo uh, for coaching. And, uh, and essentially what I'm also curious about is, and the routes that are designed in this offense, are the Bears pass catchers being asked to adjust the routes and the situations to get the first down, or is it a strict you must run five yards when a first down seven yards? Well, let's go back to one of your kind of questions, and that's not touching the play going is, and that I think a lot of people, after they lose, they want to blame the play. Well, they'd only call it better plays. Of course, theoretically, that's always true. But when you go 
back into these drives and you see, you know, like there was some semblance of a good game plan, but what really lacked was execution. So for instance, when the Colts got into their this like four three defense, which I really wasn't expecting to see, the Bears started passing and they played the personnel packages. So, you know, they put on their three tight end packages, force the Colts to load up the box and try and stop the run. And then they had some pretty good passes. Or conversely, they had various times where, you know, they spread the Colts out and some of their most productive run plays came when they manipulated the Colts defense using personnel. So even, um, I think that two-point conversion, you know, you spread them out and then you give Montgomery the ball. Finally, your zone run works. Now, if he had had to go 10 yards, I don't know. But he got the two yards and he got the two points. And how many weeks in a row have we talked about these receivers missing opportunities? And I'm a firm believer that great players make great plays in great games. And the Bears apparently did not have any great players on this offense this week. <laughs> oh, ooh, man. I, I don't know about that. I mean, the offense definitely underperforms. But I got to say, I'm still a big Allen Robinson fan. Uh, they better pay that man because he was a beast. He had, had a 101 receiving yards, and he caught the Bears' only touchdown pass and a beast of a catch over the DB on the right side of the end zone. Um, as you said, we haven't been getting a lot of production from the running game, and the tight ends were pretty much non-existent this week. Graham had a couple of catches but was really not a was a non-factor Mooney continues to get a couple of catches he had 52 yards over the weekend but again this all comes back to being a pass first offense and when the passing game doesn't go well then it kind of trickles down into the run game because the offensive line is great at pass blocking but I don't know about the run blocking or is it or is it what you said is Montgomery just missing the holes it's I, I I said that it was marginal and that they they are missing the hole by a half man. So when the offensive line goes up against the this four man front against the Colts, they're double teaming the correct men and then they're climbing up to the linebackers. They're they're blocking the scheme correctly, but then the running backs, you know, if James Daniels and Cody Whitehair are on the nose guard, they are hitting it on the inside shoulder of James Daniels instead of hitting the outside and going up the correct gap. And so it's like multiple times you know you gotta make a decision because not everyone was getting blocked on Sunday this is a very good Colts defense and whenever you have a zone concept team or a zone concept offense whenever you face a deep linebacker team where they had three or four different guys who can fill and flow to the ball it's gonna be a hard day but the real question is can you grind out those three yards instead of getting negative one negative two consistently that's really what you need you need three yards on those zone runs and maybe one one out of 10 maybe you break for 10 or 20 that's fine that's all you need though because all that Matt Nagy wants to do is have a very efficient game plan where you can then manipulate and that just didn't happen because you weren't getting those and, and I just want to go back that in addition to the game plan was there but it really goes back to the decision like the critical decision making was not quite what you would expect from an NFL head coach and the reason I wanted to bring that up is we're recording on Tuesday. We have the benefit of watching the Patriots versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have one of the greatest defensive coach minds versus what we want this offense to look like. And the Colts for the entire day when they faced Matt Nagy's offense basically sat in nickel defense for almost the entirety. A very basic nickel defense. For a little bit, they came into a 4-3. A few different refs they had, like a 3-4, like weird kind of overlook. But basically, they sat in nickel the whole game. And we're good. They played well. You know, when Bill Belichick goes up against Andy Reid's offense, 
he's putting five, six, sometimes seven defensive backs on the field. He's manipulating the gaps. He's doing everything he can to stop Andy Reid. So it against this offense when it's running correctly, it shouldn't be easy. You shouldn't be able to just run a base nickel defense and be happy with that. And it just proves that the execution is not there. We're not forcing the opposite coaches to do more. You have to force the defense to try harder than what the Bears did on Sunday. <laughs> right, and I think that comes back to Drew. I, I mean – Again, and then situational football, like are the Bears receivers adjusting on the fly saying what if they run a, uh, a seven yard hitch instead of a instead of running a seven yard hitch to running a five yard hitch when they need seven yards to get to a first down? I mean, it's infuriating as both a fan and a new podcaster. I, I really it's infuriating to like see that the dip and dunk offense when we're trying to move the ball to get a first down. You need 10 yards to get a first down. Should not be that be that hard. Well, I, I can definitely uh, relate to that fury. Um, when I was watching the tape back, we talked about the running game. And when you can see that the potential is there, but it's almost like the Bears for almost three weeks in a row are shooting themselves in the foot. And, and that's kind of what it's looked like. But back to whether it is play design or I kind of had a question that I don't know if any of the press conferences covered this, but that first time out that the Bears took, that really steamed me because we had Nick Foles. He was the whole offseason. We're told that, you know, he understands this offense and he's ready to come in when Trubisky goes out. Well, and this is why I kind of put the fire to some of the assistant coaches. I want to know, was there some mismanagement where like they didn't understand the defensive personnel that was taking the field? Because I thought that timeout was after a second and six. If I recall, I don't. It was either second and six or third and six, but at the end of their second drive, and they take a they take a timeout because they run out of time. Well, we have a Super Bowl MVP. You expect him to be able to get the guys to the line with enough time. If he's not able to do that. I mean, you got to think that the answer is somewhere else. And whether it's the maybe just unpreparedness in the offense, maybe Matt Nagy didn't have his guys ready to go if they come out in a certain package. At the end of the half. The Bears had one timeout, and the Colts are driving. And the Colts have three timeouts. Well, the defense is basically just trying to, I don't know, hold them. But the Colts can technically throw anywhere on the field because they have the timeout. Player, I mean, Philip Rivers yeah. only finished the day with 190 yards passing and one touchdown. And Jonathan Taylor only finished with 68 yards. So rushing, even though he had a couple of nice runs. Um, the Bears' defense brought it. You know, I think <laughs> – the Colts can thank their their rookie kicker um, from George to his four for four on field goals. I mean, when you have a kicker that's that good and that consistent, uh, that's a game changer. Because otherwise, the Colts probably would have lost if he'd missed those field goals. Yeah, you know that first touchdown that of the game that the Bears gave up. I know that a lot of people wanted to criticize the Bears defense for effort. You know, some people thought that they, you know, should have made the tackle, make them take an extra snap on the one, like. You know, it was a good play against the the right coverage for the right play. Like it just worked out for the Colts on that on that play. And I don't blame the defense for that touchdown. They did play very well against a very good O line. And one thing that I do I do think that a weakness for this defense would be that they're not getting the same support from the DBs in the run game that you saw in 2018. You know, in 2018. There's a lot to be said about, you know, Eddie Jackson's ability to roll down and help on the run, especially when they played the Rams. 
and, you know, you always saw that in the broadcast. And right now, I'm, I have questions about whether these quarterbacks are ready to come up as the force players to set the edge. Because, um, you know, they're on both sides. Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, you know, they're doing all they can. But you wonder if this defensive backs room is a little not, not as good as it was two years ago. That would be one weak area of the Bears defense. It's that run support from the defensive secondary. But, you know, we'll see. They got to play good teams to prove themselves. Yeah. In terms of the DB room, do you think the loss of Prince of Mucamera was a big one? Although he, he did get burned at times in pass coverage. He's an excellent tackler. Do you think the Bears are missing, missing that tackling on the edge? Or what do you think is missing in the pass coverage? Well, I, I, I just um... – I think that Prince of Mukamara, definitely there's one play where I think Jalen Johnson was the fourth player on the outside. And I thought the Colts had like kind of an end around play for like a, like an eight yard run for a first down. I, I don't have the specific play, but I think I recall seeing that. And it just reminds me of, you know, two weeks ago, he had a play where he was supposed to be an inside run support player. It was like kind of a big, a large package. And I just think that those young players, maybe he has to figure out in the playbook, like when he's the contained player, when he's support inside, you know, like maybe that's something that he has to work out. But I can't see Prince of Mukamara, a long time proven NFL corner, making those mistakes. Um, and, and, and that's just kind of one of my questions. Uh, but, you know, he looked good in coverage. Uh, you can't argue that he is an NFL starter for who they have on the roster right now. I mean, he's the best corner. He's proven it thus far. It's just a question I have right now because, you know, the Bears are going to be facing some very good running running attacks. I mean, they're going to see um, the Panthers in, what, two weeks? And that O-line, you know, even without Christian McCaffrey, they, they can – get some edge plays on you, and that's something that they're going to have to shore up. Yeah, and the Bears sit at 3-1. and one. They're sitting in second place in FC North. They've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town on Thursday night, so they have a shortened schedule after a late afternoon or mid to late afternoon game this past Sunday. If you're a Bears coach, what kind of adjustments are you telling your team that they need to make? Well, I, I think – you can't really toy with the defense too much. Um, I think that the the Buccaneers have faced some undisciplined defenses. And, I mean, it was shocking when they played Vic Fangio's defense. You expect them to be disciplined. Maybe it's because they've been decimated by injury. Um, but, you know, they, they faced some kind of weak defenses, in, in my opinion. And even last week, you know, the Chargers did not look like the Chargers you expected, you know, you, they have a good defense, but they just made some mistakes. And so really you just got to keep it simple for the defense and have them play their game because they have a high ceiling, but against Tom Brady, once you make a mistake, he's going to capitalize off of it for the offense. I, I think they, they need to gain more vision and they need to get comfortable with taking what the defense is giving them on the run part of the offense. Like, We've talked about that and from the quarterback play, I think last week when we talked about Mitch, about being comfortable taking what they're going to give you. Well, that's going to be important with the run game and zone concepts. But also, from what I've seen, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense likes to run a lot of cover three. And, and that, you have to expect that there's going to be more of these plays where the open player is only five yards down. So, you know, Nick Foles is going to have to be smart because they're going to have support deep. He's going to have to be smart and checking down out into the flats or 
or to David Montgomery in, in the in the checkdown. So that's going to be important. So it's across the board. What the Bears have to do is be mentally disciplined going into Thursday, which sometimes can be hard. Sometimes you just kind of want to roll through. You only got three days until your next game. You just want to keep rolling, just get in your groove and just kind of play fast and loose. Well, that's going to be really important that they don't do that. It's going to be really important that they be conservative on Thursday night. You're facing Tom Brady. He's proven he can come back time and time again, despite the score. And if you make kind of just like bonehead moves like they were making on Sunday in the running game, or if you just don't have your assignments down and don't understand when you're the contain, when you're not, it's going to become a bad day. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's important to note in that Chargers uh, Bucks game that Tom Brady played in this past Sunday, uh, Brady actually completed 65% of his passes and finished with 369 yards and five TDs to only one interception. You know, he started off slow and the Buccaneers didn't convert on some um, scoring opportunities. And it's also important to note that his leading receiver, Mike Evans, was hurt in the first half with a lower body injury. And didn't come back till later in the second half. Um, so you know, the, the key is ball control. You know, control the ball, give the Buccaneers as as little time as possible, and give the defense some breathing room because the Bears' best weapon is their defense. And by keeping them rested, especially with the shortened week, and controlling the ball with maybe you know keep it running on the ball with Montgomery and getting a little uh, short passing game going with Mooney and a couple of the other gadget guys in the slot uh, and just dip and dunk Um, because the Buccaneers have a great defense. They get a pass rush. They have a linebacker named Levante David. He's from Nebraska, my alma mater. He he could ball then. He can still ball now. And uh, the Bucs are no joke. They're really good, and the Bears need to be prepared. Yeah, you know, I I would say, though, these linebackers for the Bucs, do have trouble getting into their drops on certain play action plays. And so you would hope that, you know, the bears could scheme something up where they get a lot of those like hook curls passes mm-hmm. completed. That would be nice to see those eight to 12 yard gains. You know, you don't need the money ball with Mooney, like going down and beating the safety. You don't need that against the bucks. You know, and, and this is kind of like something that I noticed the last time I think, uh, uh, Brady faced Pagano. I think was with the Colts. I, I'm not sure. One of the times that they matched up, I think the the best shot Pagano had at Brady was in the regular season and with against uh, I don't know. It it was a Sunday night game, I think, um, in 2015, I think. But, okay, so know, when it was with the Colts. Yeah, when he was with the Colts, and I think it was like you know Brady still put up over 30 points, but they kept it close. And, you know, Chuck Pagano was getting burned. He was giving, he was protecting the deep ball, giving up the underneath balls, right? He was letting Brady dip, like dink and dunk, just whatever, the short passes. But, you know, he kept it close by giving that up. And, you know, this is actually kind of what this Tampa Bay team reminds me of, is they're willing to protect the deep ball, but they're giving up these 10 to 12-yard passes. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that's what I would probably look for. But... 
You never know with the Bears. They could just disappoint us. You know, they looked great. A week ago, I would have said the Bears have this Tampa Bay team all day. This Tampa Bay team looks weak. They're running a lot of cover three. Kind of indicates a weakness, in my opinion, when you have the personnel they have and they're running a lot of cover three against good teams. I would have said that the Bears got this all day. You know, the Bears are going to have an offense that's going to put up at least four touchdowns and the Bears defense is going to contain Brady. But after Sunday, you never know what you're going to get. All right. Drew, what do you got for the score predictions this weekend? Or got, this week? You got to go with the, the Bucs at this point. I, I can't see with the way that Foles played, they're going to have to improve at the quarterback play significantly to beat Brady and Arians because they are in sync right now. They understand what each, each other wants to do. They're going to get at least four touchdowns. So I'm going to call Bucks 31, Bears 27. Oh, I'm not too far off on that one. I also got the Bucks 31 and the Bears 17. So you heard it here first. Bucks Bears Thursday night football in Chicago. Go Bears.